magic in the air in E10. A feeling engulfed every player, every coach, every member of staff and every single fan brought them all together as one. Every other Saturday Brisbane Road tingled with excitement and togetherness. We moved as one that year. A phenomenon that's rare in football and one that hadn't been seen in Leighton for a generation, at least. It was a club united. From August 2013 until May 2014, this club was everything we ever wanted it to be. In this episode, we explore that magic and how it came to be. From the people who were there, this is E10 Mess with From Runton Park to Wembley Way, the story of the 2013-14 season. Part one, the small club with a big heart. Left midfield, uh, signed in 2011. Exciting, it was exhilarating, it was just a year that I'll never forget, it was just special. Johnny Davis, uh, media and communications manager from 2013 to 2015. If you look at the year as a whole, um, you know, it was one of the most enjoyable, rewarding, um, and happy years of my life, really, I think. And uh, Romain Vintelot, and the midfielder, arrived at Orient February 2013 until uh, July 2015. Such a great uh, great season uh, on and uh, off the, the pitch. Um, so, you know, it's uh, one of the best, uh, best year of... Uh, Best season of my life for sure. Scott Cuthbert, defender, between 2011 and 2015. I think we had that kind of togetherness, to be honest, but between the staff, the coaching staff, and the players. But even even the player, even the like the playing side, to you know, we had a, a togetherness with whether it was the the cooks that came in, you know, Julie came in and cooked for us, whether it was the chairman Barry. There was just a togetherness in the place, and it felt like and the fans as well, and. Um, it felt like we were all kind of pulling in one direction. We were really punching above our weight, but we were working so hard to get it there. I mean, everything sort of, we were getting the maximum out of every area of the club that we could. Um, Kevin Dearden, goalkeeper coach and chief scout, Leighton Orient, 2008 to 2014. There was minimal staff. So, you know, everyone knew Lindsay and, and, and Chris Pope and, and Johnny Davis and everyone knew everybody because, it, you know, Ada the kit man, because everyone was, 
there was such minimal staff that we were all really close. There wasn't loads and loads of people that you had to friend, be friends with or go through. You know, and Matt Porter was always around as a chief exec um, to give us support and help as much as we needed. Um, and then that transferred itself into the football staff. You know, we were we were a close-knit group. My name's Matt Porter. I was chief executive of Lake Norrie between 2006 and 2014. I'm now a non-exec director at the club. It was all about the people. We had to make sure that everybody felt engaged by the club and everybody felt close to the fan base, close to the community. You know, we got we, we ended. I've said this before in other interviews. We, we got everything right that year: football, commercial, community. You know, logistically, you know, everything ran really well. It was a perfect storm of of, of results that that ended up with us where we were. Um, and you know, some of that's by chance, but some of it's deliberate as well. You know, we've made a conscious decision to employ people who were of a certain mentality, uh, the people who wanted to work hard, people who wanted to further themselves, people who wanted to do their best for Lake Norian, uh, and that was across the board, whether that was in the office or at the training ground. So, um, it it was um, it it wasn't a surprise to us. I mean, I joined in February, so did Rob Noble uh, on the marketing side. Tom Jeffs joined couple of months after as commercial manager you know there's quite an ambitious feeling around the club I think that everyone was really keen to give it a good go the next year and there was quite a bit of positivity my first memory of like or my the memory of a pre-season I always remember Barry Hearn coming in I can't remember who we played pre-season but we played someone at home and uh, he came in and he gave a bit of a speech and looking back now you can kind of tell that he probably had uh, one mind on, on selling the club and he, he probably thought it was going to be his last year and he was you not know, being involved with the club for so long he probably wanted to end it in, in a high so he just gave a kind of talk about how he thought it was the best squad that he'd produced since he'd been there he thought he had the best management staff everything seemed right seemed positive seemed like a club that was going places and I just kind of that kind of stuck with me because it felt that way as well to the players um, I think everyone we got on really well together between the players and um, you know, there, was, there was that you know I've said that before there was that that togetherness and that kind of belief that we, were, that we, we could achieve something I'm Matthew Baudry um, centre back and I was there later on in from 2012 to 2016 people like Ada and stuff like that were uh, they were just part of it and uh, ever the chairman coming that I've never seen that it was coming up the games and that uh, bouncing everywhere and uh, she was great Orient had finished 7th the season before, just one place and three points outside the playoffs, and Russell Slade had barely added to the squad that summer. In fact, every player considered to be a starter had been at the club the year before. There was an understanding, not just on the pitch but off it as well. They became a group of players who fought for each other, who complemented each other perfectly, and most importantly, who loved playing football together. And this wasn't just by chance. Whilst the bookies didn't fancy the O's chances, Russell Slade and the board have been building towards this season for some time, as former CEO Matt Porter explains. Russ was very visionary and he didn't just put something in place that was going to work next week, he put something in place that was going to go on and work for a long, long time, uh, hopefully, uh, into, into the future. And we knew that we were building for that 2013-14 season and we were getting all our players in place and the right sort of contracts and, and, and everything like that and getting some stability and continuity. Uh, and if you look throughout the following season, the, we actually used relatively few players. It was over eight players played sort of 35, 36 or more games. And 
that wasn't although we got lucky with injuries that wasn't by chance Ada Martin kit man been at the club since 1994 we had um, the defence now I think we're getting into any league one side we've got Baldry Cuthbert Nathan Clark Omazusi Gary Sawyer they all just seem to complement each other I think Roman Vincelot and Lloyd James were, were incredible in midfield were incredible you know if you look, if you look back the Peterborough game away I think Vincelot was unbelievable that day in midfield I mean Lloyd he could, could pick a pass out um, Coxie playing out wide every time he put a cross in we nearly scored from it or did score from it Kevin um, Lisby David Mooney out front you know Moons I think what, did he get 25 that season I can't remember now um, Leeds scoring goals for fun I'm Dave Victor and uh, thanks to Johnny Davis I'm also known as Dulcet Dave via my Twitter handle I've been um, commentating and following uh, well I've been following the O's since the uh, 1970s but I've been commentating uh, since 83 over the years you get used to um, working with professional footballers who don't seem to be in love with the game or in love with their job um, and it's surprising how rare it is to get a group of players that absolutely adore their job I mean uh, adore being professional footballers and that group did the chance that we had in each other that I think it was that Along the back four as well, I was Scotty and um, with uh, Gary Sawyer, I was uh, Jimmy Johnson. All I think we had a chance that we are really close on and off the pitch, and, and you could see that. We were an attacking team, but if you look at the back four, if you look at the back four and tell that I was playing right back, I'm a centre back playing right back. You had Elliot on the Zuzi, who was a right back playing left back, so wasn't naturally going to get his forward as much as he could. So. Right away, you've got the kind of got that solid defensive base, and we just kind of let the ones in front of us do their job. And when you've got pace, you know you've got you had Coxie on Coxie on the left who could create goals where he's, where he's crossing. You had um, Moses on the other side who was one of the quickest players you'll ever play with or against. Who could get you up? You know, one minute you could be defending your six-yard box, and five seconds later you, you've got a corner or you've got a chance. It felt like that anyway. How, how quick he was, so. No, we, we did have a solid, a solid unit, um, and we just let the boys, the attacking boys. I think everyone knew their job in that team. That was that was one of the main things. We'd we'd been well drilled. Everyone knew their jobs. We knew the formation we were playing. We knew nine times out of ten what the team would be as well, and that that always helps. What was key as well was Mo. Um, he had the the pace, you know, the frightening pace that defenders couldn't live with. But yeah, I mean, crossing in. To them too, David and, and 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 Kev was was an absolute dream. You know, Dave would would come short and Liz would would run down the channel, and it just sort of I used to come inside. Mo would stay out wide. We just had that sort of connection. We just give the ball to the to the front four, um, and they they're gonna do something. They're gonna make things happen, and we just have behind it be really solid. It didn't even have to be the perfect ball. I just knew if it was in and around Kevin Lisby, I knew he would go and edit in. Sometimes, I remember a couple of times, I've crossed the ball, and I've even turned before he's finished it to walk back to the halfway line because I know he's going to score. You just went to games and you never felt like we were going to lose. Even if we went 1-0 down, you just assumed that we would get back into it. And If we went ahead, you sort of you could almost start writing the match report sometimes because you just thought, oh, this is going to be straightforward now. We just had that mentality that we were unbeatable. That no one would be. So if he went a goal down, it didn't really matter. 
will always come back. We held that till the end of the season. We brought together a group of players who had uh, a point to prove. We brought together a group of players where there were no superstars in the dressing room. You know, uh, from a financial point of view, most of them were earning a very similar amount of money to each other. So there was no egos or no one looking at other players thinking, you know, he's on hundreds of pounds a week more than me and I'm contributing more than him. You know, it was a, it was a, uh, a small, tight-knit group that were brought together because they each had a specific role to play within the squad and they were each intelligent enough and hard-working enough to fulfil that role. And I've said before, we were fortunate we didn't have many injuries that season. We had an outstanding manager and everything kind of fell into place. There was no big-time Charlies. There was no, you know, there was no people that we had to keep on a tight rein. You could trust them. Senior pros, Scott Cuthbert, Nathan Clark, Gary Sawyer, them sort of people were, you know, they were proper professionals and we didn't really have to control them too much. There were no cliques in the dressing room. We don't have them anyway. But sometimes you do get groups where the squad's not together. But Russ was very good at galvanising squads, maybe turning all three players into exceptional players, you know, and he was very good at that man management. Like I've been here since 20 odd years and I've seen no one who can manage players like he can. No one. Um, but everything just seemed to click. Russ was here I think three years before that and that's probably a culmination of hard work on his part getting the, the balance of the squad right and that season everything just clicked into place. The balance of the team was uh, was really good I think. I think uh, Russell did, did a great job uh, in bringing you know the, the right people for the for the right uh, right position and uh, and creating a, a great atmosphere in the team which is I think key uh, to any success. Russ was very good at budget management. He was a, a good strategist, and managers are quite clever as well. You know, they come to you with an A option, a B option, and a C option. They know that the A option is too expensive and the C option is not good enough, and they want the they actually want the B option most of the time. And Russ generally got what he wanted. Everybody did the job um, uh, perfectly from from you know the top chairman just put Russell Slade in charge, gave him a few years to prepare. And uh, and get what what he wanted, and uh, he managed to to create um, this perfect uh, recipe. He to know what players to bring in at the right time within his weight structure, you know what he could do. But he was so upbeat the whole time, and I think that a season, a couple of seasons before that, when we we finished quite 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 badly, and he was worried about relegation. And at that time, he was still so upbeat. He's gone. Just rebuild, and two seasons after that, we had that season. It's like the club, the the the, the chairman just he, he take a a good uh, cook and tell him, yeah, here we are. I want you to to get a, a good a good recipe. And um, I think yeah, it took him uh, three four years, and he found all the ingredients. And uh, yeah. The, he gave a really good recipe, and I think uh, all uh, all the fans uh, they, they were so fantastic all the way, all the way this season was uh, just unbelievable. It's like they were they liked the recipe as well, and they were they, you know they were the the the, 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 the ice on the cake on that. On June the 7th, 2013, Russell Slade signed a new three-year contract extension at Orient. It hadn't been all plain sailing for the man in charge. 
Just eight months earlier, most Orient fans were calling for his head after a near relegation and another slow start to the season. But Orient showed faith. And that faith was repaid in the 2013-14 season. Whoever you ask, players, coaches, staff or fans, there's a common thread on the main factor behind the success of that season, and it's the man with no hair but we don't care, Russell Slade. But why? Ada Martin has his take. Russell Slade, what's the best way to describe it? Um, a man who can motivate um, individuals into being a team. Well, I think the relationships were very good and they were born out of trust and respect. And again, that's unusual, I think, in, in, in my experience in professional football. Um, I think Russell Slade trusted and respected uh, Matt Porter and vice versa. And of course, Matt was CEO at the time. And um, Barry Hearn um, had sort of put uh, his trust and faith in Russell Slade when other chairmen would have given him the sack. I mean, uh, everybody, you know, was saying he's got no hair, we don't care. But uh, you've got to remember a couple of years before then, um, a lot of Orient supporters uh, were definitely asking for a change of management. And um, it was credit to um, Matt Porter and uh, Barry Hearn that they kept faith with uh, Russell Slade. And as a result, uh, he had an opportunity to build. He just believed in this. And I think... It- that 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 belief is, you know, some people might say it's cocky, but I think it's it's you go onto the pitch knowing that that he believes in you. you, you what you're going to do is going to be enough, and you know, nine times out of ten that season, Russ was spot on. Russ's strength was was the man management, and um, he would he he would look after players. The players loved Russ. Um, he'd let Kev. Do all the coaching mainly, just sort of like match days, day before a match, Russ would step in and, and do a little bit more. Um, sort of like my job, looked after the goalkeepers and then came in and, and sort of like Russ, yeah, did use me as a little bit of a, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, tension reliever and get in amongst the lads and see how the spirit was and lift them if they were a little bit low or, you know, get amongst them and keep them bubbling and, uh, that was a role that um, you know I enjoyed. Russell was a very, very skilled communicator. He was somebody that brought other people into the conversation. He he was somebody that would ensure that nobody was left out. It's uh, it's uh, a mark of the man, and I think it's one of the reasons why he was able to get the very best out of that group of players. Certain players that want the arm that will respond to having the arm around them and. I was a bit different. Russ used to give me a kick up the backside and he'd ring me up and he'd say, oh, listen, you, you know, what's the matter with you? You didn't look yourself in training and uh, obviously he lived at the ground, didn't he? And he, he used to say, listen, get yourself over to mine. He said, I, I want to have a cup of tea and a word with you. And he used to go that extra sort of um, mile. You know, he didn't have to do it, but he, that's what separates, for me as the manager, that's what separates him from the rest that I've had. Uh, those sort of things. Well, his nickname was uh, Cox's dad, wasn't he? Uh, and I think, um, you know, he he enjoyed the man management side of the job. And I think he was uh, very good at it. He, he'd realised what character they were to, to put an arm on them. So get him in the office and grill them because he knew they'd get, he'd get a response on the Saturday. Or he'd, he'd know, or do you know what, give him a couple of days off. He, he needs to cool down. He'd come back in and he had he had the knack of choosing the right moments and doing the right things with individual players, which obviously the fans don't see on obviously on a day to day basis. Obviously the lads do, um, 
he was just he was just first class at it. Really was first class. And and like you said, with the posters, they'd be up in the changing room um, it, it, on a Friday when we were before we travelled to an away game. They'd do this video, um, inspirational videos where he'd get the goals up. He'd put. You know, I mean, some people might think, you know, he's going too far, but he'd put uh, loads of uh, quotes and stuff. He was just such a positive um, bloke throughout the season. And, and, and 100% that contributed to how well we done, without a doubt. We had a good team around him, um, which was built up gradually. Um, but he clearly enjoyed it himself. He was somebody that thought a lot about the game and thought about... Um, um, motivation. I know one of the jobs that Johnny Davis, who is sort of the media manager at the time, had to do in addition to sort of all the press duties was to uh, produce um, sort of posters. Motivational posters. Um, so had loads of them. And we used to change them fairly regularly and I'd work with him on those. Um, yeah, and I always thought that was always a bit of a myth, you know, the kind of, you know, when people, that expression people say, well, that'll end up on the dressing room wall. Um, but yeah, it did, uh, it did actually happen quite a lot. If, if one, you know, one of the coaches or the players might spot something that someone said about us that, that they, you know, where they maybe dismissed us as, you know, to only up there in the short term or or whatever, that was, um, yeah, that would get cut out and put on the wall, and you'd be surprised how many players did actually go. Brian, have you seen this? I can't believe they're saying that. I used to go in the supporters bar and have a beer after the game. Yeah, Russ would encourage it. I don't think a lot of managers these days would do that to interact with the fans. You know, a lot of players would think, oh, the gaffer might get a bit annoyed if we have a drink after the game. But he'd encourage it. Don't interact. And I think it helps. You know, you felt you felt as one. I mean, when you when you walked out on that pitch, you knew that, you, you pretty much knew that, you know, if I got smashed down the left wing, I knew the crowd would have my back. As soon as that, Whoever smashed me was on the ball, they'd boo him. And I know it's little things, but it's things you think, oh, they're on my side here. Next time he gets, I'm going to smash him back. And then the fans, you know, giving it some and getting, you know, it was just, it was hard. it's so, so hard to explain over a phone call. It's the feelings you felt. It's, you felt like they were playing with you, the fans. It, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, when I'd, I'd cut inside and I could hear people cross it, Coxie, you know, they'd leave that I could put the cross in. And we'd score from it. It just, it was just, I don't know. It was such a such a good season, and it was everyone, just everyone, um, approachable fans. You know, a lot of a lot of fan bases aren't aren't quite like that. You know, they might not like to see the players come in and and, and have a drink after. Oh, you should be going home. You should be, you know, you should be resting. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be having a beer. You know, there's a game next week, and but the fans loved it. They, you know. It was the community spirit. I remember every every home game after winning or losing. I was uh, I was going to the supporters bar, um, you know, to have a, to have a pint or two, or even more. Sometimes when my friends were coming from France and they they were saying that oh, it's it's just unbelievable the, the, this club, it's the atmosphere you have here. I said, yeah, it's, but don't get me wrong, lads. <laughs> I said to them every time it's always like that. This season is just it's just perfect um, in terms of human beings, uh, you know, interacting with, with each other. That was just perfect. This is how it should be, but it's uh, you don't get that uh, every season. You know, you come in and 
coach you on a beer, yeah, you know, and talk about the game and, you know, see what they thought. You know, because Russ would say to me, you know, it's a game, and see what they thought of the formation, what they're saying. And then I could go back to training and say, to be fair, Russ, I think they've got a point. I can't remember who told me. Someone said about um, me, me coming inside more. And I, I said to Russ, a few of them were saying that I need to come inside more and get more shots off. And he'd it, it, go, right, we'll do it. He said, we'll cover your space. And he'd actually listen to what, you know, someone was saying in the supporters club, you know? I don't think he could get that anywhere else. He'd like to know what they were saying. He wanted to know, he wanted to know what they liked and what they didn't like. You know? It was, and, and a lot of managers won't be like that. You know, they do it their way. It's their way or the highway. Russ was more open to, you know, he wanted to know, you know, what, what, what do they want to see more of? And I, and I, a few of the fans are saying about getting cross, they want more crosses in the box. So the next two days, we'll do crossing and finishing for an hour each day. So when we come on Saturday, they're like, get your crosses in the box. He'd, he'd want to give them what they wanted. And you won't get a lot of managers like that now, though. You won't, you just won't. Sitting in the stands that season, you could see the togetherness of that team. You could see that they were loving every second just as much as us. They looked like they actually enjoyed playing together and being at Brisbane Road, something rare in E10. A team that was proud to have the Orient badge on their chests. It was a pleasure to go into work every day. You used to look forward to going to work and when you say that, um, you know you're at a good place. Because we were serious when we had to be serious, but we had some real fun along the way with a great group of lads so now that's probably the abiding memory looking back now it was a great couple of years with with a great group of lads and a great group of staff they balanced and they complemented each other but again one of the things that russell kept saying was after training they weren't just getting in the cars and going off they they were they wanted to spend time in each other's company you know it's famous wasn't it that uh, kevin lisby's uh, wife i think used to provide curries and things but you did get the sense that they were genuine mates and I suspect they're probably in touch with each other now. It was such a great place to go to work. It was fantastic. Everyone smiling, it was just, it was just brilliant. The group, uh, the manager, the fans, I just love the, you know, the, 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 the family atmosphere uh, with the, the group we had was, you know, really, uh, really top, top men, uh, great bunch of, uh, of lads. The one time I can remember when all the fans were together, all the players were together, all the staff were together, the whole club was together, the whole club was working. I felt home. The most exciting um, journey that, that I've been on, it was, it was just fantastic. On the next episode of From Brunton Park to Wembley Way, the story of the 2013-14 season, the football begins as we look at expectations going into the season and the standout moments from that glorious League One campaign. From Brunton Park to Wembley Way, the story of the 2013-14 season was produced, written and edited by me, Adam Sampson. All original songs are also composed, performed and recorded by Adam Sampson.